The title of my message this afternoon is Faith versus Fear, Silence Your Storm. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now just by way of background, prior to that, Jesus had been preaching and essentially using a boat as his pulpit. Now, I, I am conscious that there is a semblance of water behind me, so I will try and not walk in fear today that as I move around... I won't go in the water myself. But it's important to recognize that he decides after that that it's now time to cross to the other side. And I want to suggest to, to you today that if you're a Christian, you're going to regularly be asked by Jesus to cross to the other side. And you will find yourself going through all types of storms because storms followed Jesus. And that, that shouldn't surprise us. He decided to cross to the other side because he was wanting to spend time with these disciples. But consider the social and spiritual boundaries that he crossed. He sat with sinners, broke Sabbath laws, confronted demon-possessed people. In the Old Testament, the sea was a symbol of chaos. And so my question today is, what storm are you facing? What challenge is going on in your life that isn't being silenced, that isn't being addressed? Because we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I pray today that as we unpack this a bit, that your faith will be strengthened and those storms will be silenced and you will remember and recognize that you are more than a conqueror in Christ, that you have the victory because he has given us the victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want us just to consider that the calming of that storm was more than just a miracle that happened a long time ago. It symbolizes the power of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus in speech and conduct, reminiscent of the Creator, and he rebuked the seas and the storms as often as he rebuked demons. But what is clear is that that storm was great. These were seasoned, well-mannered, strong fishermen, and they were terrified. And so it gives us an indication about how serious that storm was, because what's important to remember is in those times, the, the, the boats that they would have been using, it wouldn't have been P&O ferries, but it would have been a well-constructed boat. And one side would have been slightly lower than the other so that they could bring their catch in. And so when we're reading it and we're saying, we're reading where it says they were nearly swamped. That's so symbolic for so many of us in so many areas of our lives. We're nearly swamped, aren't we? Just getting to work, coming home. We're maybe nearly swamped in all of your overdraft being used up, or all of your credit card almost at its max. We're nearly swamped in all, all our responsibilities, in our relationships, in life. 
we're, we're nearly swamped, but we're not totally swamped, amen? And so in him we have the victory. So I want to ask you today, what is the biggest storm, worst storm, biggest life challenge that you've ever been in? Because let's look at how the disciples responded. They knew those waters very well. And despite that, despite them being brave fishermen, despite them knowing the waters well, they were terrified. They acknowledge him as their teacher. But their question is fairly accusatory, isn't it? Teacher, do you not care that we are about to drown? So they're waiting for death. They're waiting to perish. They are expecting the worst possible outcome in that moment. But we know that God delivers the victory. But they also acknowledge them as his teacher. And it's always important in Scripture to look at detail. The word used there is disciples. It's plural, which would indicate that they were all in agreement on waking Jesus up. But it's also important to recognize what they do say and what they don't say, because often we can find ourselves accepting or believing something slightly different. They don't ask him to actually calm the storm and the sea, do they? They say, teacher, we need your help here. They don't say that either. They scream, hey, don't you care? We're drowning over here. Now let's be very, very clear. That is not a request birthed by faith. As humbling as that is, that is not a request birthed by faith. That is an accusation born out of fear. They are anticipating what is likely to happen to their very lives if Jesus doesn't intervene. But we can sometimes make the same accusation, can't we? We're often happy to get in the boat with Jesus' honorable intentions of making it to the other side until a storm comes and shakes us to our very core. Maybe you went to the doctors recently and you've got a, a bad report. Maybe you got fired from your job. Maybe there's that dreaded phone call about where your son was last night and the police have phoned. We go through storms every day. And often here, it's a test of our faith. Where is God moving in our lives? What is our response when we go through the trials? In these moments, we find ourselves questioning, what is Jesus doing? Because the fear can grip us in an instant. It can make the strongest, most ardent believer be feeble and weak. However, we know that that is not our portion. Have you ever been angry, ever been frightened, annoyed, where God has perceivedly been sleeping through your trial? Asleep at the wheel is the expression that's often used. Where are you, God, in this moment? What is going on? Why am I continuing to go through this challenge, this circumstance? Has your situation swamped you or threatened to overcome you? And as I said previously, it's important to recognize the boat was nearly swamped, but it wasn't totally swamped. Jesus will always turn up at the right time, every single time. In his time, he makes all things beautiful. But I want us to consider the next question. Why do you think the disciples woke Jesus up? Were they trying to warn him? Hey, there's a storm, take cover. Did they want him to rectify the situation? They had already seen him perform miracles. They felt, obviously, at this point, he's the best person to reach out to. But their question to him implies that Jesus was uninterested in their current plight, almost negligent in his care for them. But let's 
Picture the scene here. Jesus is curled up on a cushion in the stern. Now, the stern, I found out, is the back of the boat, so it would have been open to the elements. So surely he would have been conscious of the water hitting him. Surely he would have heard the screams of his fellow disciples. Surely he might have been a bit seasick. Anyone get seasick here? No? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> Certainly not if you're on the front row. <laughs> Getting baptized later. No, you're good. But, that, but that's the reality, is they must have looked at Jesus asleep on a cushion and be thinking like, hello, what is going on? Why are you letting this happen? And that can happen to us in our own lives. The scriptures state that he was at the, on, the, at, on the stern at the back of the boat. What is more interesting to us is that the teacher isn't afraid for his own life here, let alone theirs. He is simply asleep. But then they also seemed surprised, didn't they, that he was able to calm the storms. So maybe they didn't expect him to. And interestingly, why are the disciples still terrified after Jesus calmed the storm? He's eliminated the danger. He's removed the threat to their very, very life. And they are still afraid. Notice Jesus didn't ask, why were you afraid? The answer to that is pretty obvious. There's you know, a couple of gallons of water in our boat. He said to them, why are you still afraid. Present tense, not past tense. They seem to have more fear after the miracle than before. And I want to suggest to you today that it's because they were in simple awe of Jesus and what he could do. This was a man who possessed authority to rebuke both the storm and themselves. The reality in that moment was facing the life-threatening storm was nothing in comparison to facing the one who could control that storm. They thought they knew Jesus, but after that demonstration of power, they had to wonder if they really did. And then what did the disciples ask themselves, ask each other? They said, what, who is this? A seemingly silly question for people who already knew who he was. But I want us to take a moment this afternoon to recall a time where you saw God demonstrate his manifest power in your life. The last time you got a real answer to prayer, last time an incredible breakthrough against all the odds, against everything you could see in the natural, God broke through, broke in. And that's what he wants to do today. That's what he wants to do in your situation. Whatever your challenge is right now, that's where God will manifest his presence. But let's take a minute to read verse 40 again. If you have your Bibles with you, let's read verse 40 again. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It sounds here like Jesus is a little bit exasperated. I find the word still in that verse highly significant. It's like, hey, you guys have demonstrated your lack of faith in me more than once before. And I think that that can often apply to us as Christians. And that's tough for us to hear this afternoon, but I'm sure at different points in our lives we question God, we question where he is. Why is Jesus so hard on them? He basically rebukes them instead of comforting him. This is Jesus, he's meant to be like the most peaceful, loving, compassionate, kind person that you could ever meet, and yet he's pretty harsh in rebuking them. But I suspect he may have been exasperated. He had demonstrated his previous miracles to the disciples and they still couldn't believe what he was doing in their lives. And it's important to remember, friends, that our problems 
are temporary, but our God is eternal. Amen? Our problems are temporary, but our God is eternal. Perhaps today we can find ourselves as one of those disciples, still not believing that Jesus has the desire, the capability, the willingness, the motivation, the capability of fixing your storm, of silencing the fear in your heart, of challenging areas in your life where you're not seeing breakthrough, you're not seeing restoration, you're not seeing reconciliation in your family, you're not seeing your finances strengthen, you're still carrying that bitterness in your heart from a broken relationship. There's still trust issues because of issues in your childhood between you and your mother or you and your father. And what he's saying here today is he is the answer. He can heal the broken heart. He can restore everything that's been lost. He came to set the captives free. In spite of previous testimonies of all of his grace, his protection, his provision, they still doubted. And yet Mark 11 speaks about mountain-moving faith. That song, faith can move the mountains. Let the mountain move. It's so true for us as Christians. Do we find ourselves questioning if the Lord cares if we are perishing? Do we not wonder why Jesus seems to be asleep at the wheel in our lives when we hit rocks, when we don't get that job that we went for interview at, when that breakthrough doesn't happen, when our children are still misbehaving at school? But did Jesus purposefully mean to enter this storm to test the faith of his disciples? And I want to suggest to you the answer to that is yes. Because right at the start of the story, we see that Jesus himself suggested the trip. And then he immediately went to sleep. So he kind of knew what was happening. Application point for us here. Even when Jesus leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, he, we should fear no evil, for he is with us always. Why? Because the truth is Jesus knows the reality that the disciples still don't understand at this point. This is no ordinary man resting in the midst of the storm. This is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, through him all things that were made and without him nothing that was made. He is everything that he says he is. And what I think is significant for us this afternoon is that we must learn to rest in total faith that God is in control of every storm in our lives, just the way that Jesus did. And our lives can't fail, friends, because we have Jesus in the boat with us. Amen? Now, if the disciples had faith, would they have woken Jesus? Who votes yes? Put your hand up. We're going to have some interaction this afternoon. If the disciples had faith, who thinks that they would have woken Jesus? Okay. If the disciples didn't have faith, who thinks that they would have woken Jesus? And who's just not voting? That's like 80% of you. <laughs> both. Gabriel's giving me an answer of both, which covers both outcomes. In my opinion, the reality would have been no. They would not have had to have woken him. Why? Because they would have trusted that his very presence would have been sufficient to keep them safe. And we must embrace his presence in our lives today. We can't allow ourselves to be discouraged, distracted, disinterested 
in how God can work in our lives, but we must move ourselves into a position of faith where we see God moving in situations that he wasn't previously moving in, where our faith is strengthened as we apply the word of God to our lives every single day. This word brings life to our very heart, to our very mind, to our soul. We have to read it, not just read it, we need to believe it. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I know, KT congregation, we want to please God, amen? And so we must have faith. We must have faith. This miracle is simply not a miracle about Jesus having power over nature. This is, miracle is about Jesus having power over the chaos that can threaten to disrupt all our lives. Jesus doesn't just rescue the disciples from the storm, but he rescues them from fear and the disorder that can threaten our very mind and very soul. Because it's so easy, isn't it, when, when maybe, you know, you're just getting testimony to testimony to testimony to testimony, you're just living in victory for six months, and then bang, something sideswipes you, and that's it. You know, all of a sudden, God is no longer faithful. Well, no, you were living the dream for a while, right? And now you're going through a bit of a season of a storm and a bit of a challenge, and it's your response to that moment that God is interested because there will be ups and downs in your walk with Christ. You will go through valleys. You will also stand on mountaintops. You will declare his goodness in every area of your life. But the challenge for us today is how do we respond? Do we allow the fear to paralyze us? Or do we get out the word of God? Do we declare by faith his promises over our lives? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? And we have to learn as Christians today to build our faith. We build our faith by being in the word, by not just being in the word and reading it, but applying it to our very lives. Jesus, who lay the foundations of the world, set up the limits for the Seas, calm the storm. He has already conquered every single one of your fears in the name of Jesus Christ. Fear has no place in a Christian's life. I read a quote, I'm sure I've said it before from this platform, fear and worry, similar words. So indulge me for a second. Christians that worry suffer from temporary atheism. If I haven't told you that before, I'm sharing that with you now. I love it. I can never remember what book I read it in. But it's basically saying in that moment that you're worrying, in that moment that you're fearful, in that moment that you're anxious, in that moment that you're concerned, in that moment that you're unsure, you're saying, whoa, you're not in control of this, God. And it's like, "Mm, not true. Not true. So we have to live by faith. So what areas in our lives today are we tempted to respond with fear rather than faith. In Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors for those in Christ Jesus. Remember, his supernatural peace surpasses all understanding. Jesus will give you rest of faith. Faith is the tangible reality for believers. We know that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Jesus is saying to you today, Faith is the antidote to fear. Faith is trusting God to make a way where there seems to be no way. We believe that Jesus is Lord even when the storms come. We believe that he can command the winds and the waves. We believe that he directs every single area of our lives. And I've found for myself the key to overcoming fear is worship. Unconditional, heartfelt worship. 
where I sing, I give God all the glory, I give him all the praise, I acknowledge him for who he is. We all know that song by Sinach Waymaker. All the attributes that she describes in that song, he is. And he is capable of all of them, all of the time. Not some of them, some of the time. The fear of the Lord, we know in Scripture, is the beginning of wisdom. There will be winds, there will be waves in your life, there will be unexpected twists and turns. But after all, God was in Christ and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. There will always be storms ahead when you follow Jesus. So get used to it. Amen? Amen? And it's our response to those storms. Our response to those storms. The challenges that happen. And it's all about the orientation of our heart. Much in the same way when David was deeply discouraged and all his men were discouraged, what did David decide to do? Delighted himself in the Lord. I believe that there are people here today afresh that we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. We need to turn away from the fear, away from the things that are limiting us, away from the things that are paralyzing us, away from the challenges that we find ourselves in and go, Lord Jesus, you are in control. My faith and my hope and my trust is in you and only you and that you can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that I can possibly imagine as I place my trust in your word, in your promises, in who you are. Amen? And that's what God wants to do. And so I want you to consider this afternoon, what is the greatest storm? What is the greatest trial that you find yourself in? Is your marriage in trouble? Have you got rent arrears that are so bad that there's people knocking on the door at all hours? And you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to overcome this. Has there been a breach of trust in a relationship and now you don't trust anyone? You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to build a relationship with anyone. Is it a health issue? What is the biggest storm in your life? Whatever it is, I have news for you. God is bigger. God is greater. He's your tower of refuge. He's your very present help in times of need. And he wants to strengthen you today. He wants to uphold you today. He wants to protect you with his righteous right hand. And I believe that there are people here today that he wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to give you answers where there's been no answers, where there's been those storms that seemingly just swamping us, taking over, where there's no way out, can't find the answers. The answers are in this. Read it. Every day of your life, read it. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how challenging your situation is, read this. This is, brings life. He is the bread of life. Amen?